0: And we'll talk kind of extensively about that. So this morning I'll have a lecture on uh, kind of our basic communication system, operant and classical conditioning, uh, how we introduce uh, escape avoidance training, and then how we're going to layer the collar over. And then we're going to talk about the mechanics of the collar, what I like in collars, uh, how we're going to set levels, and then how we layer it over and which behaviors we initially layer it over uh, before we go forward with it. In the past, (laughs) uh, we frequently would use the collar kind of like um, the bigger stick, right? So we'd exhausted all of our other possibilities, and now, okay, the e-collar. We had an out problem, or we had some kind of control problem with the dog, and we'd kind of gone through the hierarchy of aversives, as it were, and we wound up at the collar, right? Which gave us all kinds of problems, right? So when we did it initially, we had very little forethought. So when I first started using a collar 15 years ago or so, we'd just slap it on a dog, and hit them for stuff that we thought they should know. Right? Lots of problems happen here. You get all kinds of superstitious behavior. Dogs associate the collar with all kinds of other things than the things that we intended them to associate it with. Um, And we frequently gave ourselves a lot of trouble. Um, So there was a period uh, after I first started using the collar that I was like, no e-collars, right? these are bad news. We messed up a lot of dogs with e-collars, gave ourselves all kinds of problems. And then gradually we started to come back at it and approach it differently. And at first we started out super conservatively. And now uh, in our system we use the collar quite a bit. Um, But it's almost always uh, layered over a behavior that the dog already understands. Except for in a few places where we use it to stop some behaviors in everyday life, right? You know, great for stopping countersurfing, great for stopping chasing and some stuff like that. So we will use it in certain places like that. Uh, where the dog doesn't necessarily have a lot of previous training with that behavior, but for the most part, we're going to use it uh, to enforce behaviors that the dog already has some understanding of. And our approach to training is to teach almost all of those initial behaviors in a reward-based system. So we teach our dogs how to sit and down and stand and heal and come and touch and all those other things with rewards first. So the dog learns to work to get to something they want. And then we layer pressure over that process, first with a leash, and then with the e-collar. And if you approach it this way, you get very little fallout from the collar use. It'll be just like any other tool in your box. It'll be just like a leash. It'll be just like anything else. The dog will understand what's happening, and you get very little fallout. The dogs look happy. The dogs look motivated. uh, And you get the power of the collar, because one of the things uh, about the e-collar, is that it allows us to do certain things timing wise and distance wise that's almost impossible with traditional methods right we can communicate certain things to the dog 100 yards away we can communicate it in a really timely fashion we can pass the remote to different people depending on what behavior we're doing and where the dog is in proximity to the handler which allows us some really clear communication in terms of timing that are really difficult to get with a long line and a leash for instance right And so, it's really powerful in that way, in that it can do things that we have a really hard time doing with other tools. Um, The the problem with it is, is that the collar itself really lends itself to superstitious behavior. Because electricity doesn't feel like anything else the dog's ever felt, right? One of the things about manual pressure, when we're talking about escape avoidance stuff about manual pressure, is that it feels natural to a dog in a sense in that dogs bite each other, wrestle, you put your hands on them. They're used to physical sensations that are like that. But electricity, not used to anything like that. That's totally out of their repertoire, right? And so if we're not careful about how we layer that in, we get big problems where the dog thinks it's something other than what we wanted. They think it's the environment. They think it's what they were standing next to or whatever. So we'll go go through that. So um, this morning, I'll lecture... Uh, On classical and operant conditioning, escape avoidance training, which is all pressure training. So anytime you're using uh, pressure of any kind in your training, leash pressure, corrections, e-collar, anything aversive is all falls somewhere under the realm of escape and avoidance training. And so we're going to talk extensively about that and about what um, situations it works well in in what situations it doesn't work well in, right? There's a reason that a lot of people are really um, into reward-based training right now, and we'll talk about why that is. Like, there are some things, some behaviors especially, that really lend themselves to reward-based training, and there are some that lend themselves to escape avoidance training. And it's good if you know why those things are that way. Okay. The way I structure all my classes is uh, we'll, we'll work, we'll take a break in the middle of the day for an hour, we'll work again, and at the end of the day, I budget uh, a, like a half hour to an hour time frame where you guys can ask questions on anything you want, right? So there's going to be things that come up in the course of the class that um, are not kind of covered in the class. And so if you have uh, questions that are kind of outside the realm of e-collar and what we're talking about here, it's no problem. Just save them till the end of the day. And at that point, I always like to give people a chance, because there's so many tie-ins between uh, um, disciplines and the focus of what we're doing here, that it's nice if uh, it'll, it'll, it'll naturally bring up other questions for you that, uh, that won't be covered in the class. Just kind of hold them till the end. But during the class, as we go along, I'm really big on, on uh, I'm really kind of loose in the format. So you guys are really welcome to ask questions uh, as we go along. Anything you don't understand clearly, fire away. Um, I'm cool about being interrupted and asked questions the whole way along. Um, Just if you're asking questions during the class, try to keep them to the stuff that we're talking about there, and then if you say, gosh, you know, I was thinking how does this apply to something else or some other aspect of dog behavior that comes up, just save them for the end of the day and we'll have some time there uh, to do it at the end of the day.